ಓನ್ನೋ ಮಿತ್ರಣ ಶನ್ನೋವತ್ಂದ್ರ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿ ಶನ್ನೋ ವಿಷ್ಣುರುಕ್ರಮ ನಮೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣೆ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ವಾಯೋವ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಸಿ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ಋತ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ಸತ್ಯಂ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ತನ್ಮಾಮವಧು ತದ್ವಕ್ತಾರಮವಧು ಮಾತು ವಕ್ತಾರಂ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಸಹನಾವಧು ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಭ್ಯೋಧ್ಯಮೃತಸಂಬೂವ ಸೇಂದ್ರಮೇಧಯಸ್ಪೃಣತ ತಸ್ಯಧಾರಣೂಯ ಶರೀರ ಮೇ ವಿಚರ್ಷಣ ಜಿಹ್ವಾ ಮೇ ಮಧುಮತ್ತಮ ಕರ್ಣಾಭ್ಯೂರಿ ವಿಶ್ರುವ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ ಕೋಶಿ ಮೇಧಯ ಪೀತ ಗೋಪಾಯ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಹಂ ವೃಕ್ಷಸ್ಯರೇರಿವ ಕೀರ್ತಿ ಪೃಷ್ಠಂಗಿರೇರಿವ ಊರ್ಧ್ವಪವಿತ್ರೋವಾಜಿನೀವಸ್ವಮೃತಮಸ್ಮೆ ದ್ರವಿಣಗುಂಸವರ್ಚಸ ಸುಮೇಧಾಮೃತೋಕ್ಷಿತೇತ್ರಿಶಂಕೋರ್ವೇದಾನುವಚನ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಓಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮಿದೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದಚ್ಯದೆ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯೂರ್ಣಮಾದಾಯೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯದ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವ ಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೌವಂದೇ ಮಂತೌಪುನಃಪುನಃಶ್ವರೋ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತೇ ಆಶ್ರೀಷ್ಟಸಿಧ್ಯಾನಂದ್ಯಾನಂದ್ಯಾನಂದ್ಯಾನ 
and his disciple is said to be Bhagavad Pada or Sankaracharya. And this is how the tradition is coming down to us. And so traditionally, Gaudapadacharya, the author of Mandukya Kariga, is said to be the grand, the great grand teacher of Shankaracharya. His teacher, and te- like grandfather, so teacher's teacher. In Sanskrit, they would call it Paramaguru. Guru, your immediate teacher, Paramaguru, the teacher of the teacher. <coughs> and this Gaudapada, uh, this Mandukya Kariga is one of the most important works in Vedanta. In as much as in a, in a short Upanishad, namely uh, Mandukya Upanishad, which only consists of twelve mantras, just twelve mantras, Gaudapada Acharya has written a karika of uh, close to three hundred verses, you know. <clears throat> what, two hundred and fifty verses or something like that. So uh, that... that is a very important text. It consists of four chapters. And the first chapter deals with the text Upanishad. And there are about about 30 verses explaining the mantras of the Upanishad. And then he proceeds to explain the ideas contained in the Upanishads, which may not be specifically stated in the Upanishad text itself, but which are contained there. And those ideas he takes and expounds. So that he shows how First he shows, in order to prove that the self is non-dual, he first shows how the world is mithya, how the jagat or the creation is mithya, unreal. By various arguments he shows. He first gives the illustration of what we call the dream state <coughs> and shows how everyone knows the dream is mithya or unreal and then compares the waking state also to the dream state and shows that there is no essential difference between the waking and the dream states. And therefore, what applies to dream state also applies to the waking state, namely, what we call the waking experience also is mithya. It has a different scale. The dream is of one scale and waking is of another scale, but nevertheless, both of them are mithya. This is what he shows in the chapter called Vaitathya Prakaranam, second chapter. Then somebody would ask you a question, that if the world is mithya, maybe self also is mithya, everything is mithya, as a Bhautta say. says, no, the world is mithya all right, but the self is real. And as far as the self is concerned, there is no creation at all. He shows in the third chapter, called Advaita Prakranam, or the chapter dealing with the non-duality of the self, as to how there is no creation. Because creation is not possible. For creation to ha- happen, the, the requirements which would be there are not there because the self is non-dual. So he shows here the unreality of the creation. Not there meaning it is not real. There is no real creation. And he shows how this creation, nothing in this here makes sense. Even what he call the cause and effect chain, says you cannot even prove what is cause and what is effect. You can't prove. Is father the cause and son the effect? You know, just to quote an example from there, the father is a cause and son is a effect. So, all right, usual experience or usual concept is that the cause must be first and the effect must follow. Cause is that which precedes the effect in time. And therefore, father we call cause because the father precedes the son in time. But is it so? Please tell me, he says, when is the son born and when is the father born? You say, father is born thirty years ago and son is born now. But is that so? This man, can he be called father until his son is born? He is called father only when his son is born, you see. So really when this child is born, then alone that me, this man can be called father, not until then. So father is born right when the son is born, understand? A man may be born all right, but what you call father is born only when the son is born. Until then you don't call him father. So if you say that father is cause and son is effect, then cause and effect, both of them are born simultaneously, which cannot be. Because for anything to be qualified as cause, it must precede the effect in time. And so by this illustration, Gaudapada Acharya shows that 
These are all merely imaginations. This cause and effect is merely an imagination. Before the scientists could find out now, hundreds of years ago, it has been said that this so-called cause and effect is all kalpana or a projection. And that is the nature of creation. And shows how there is no creation which is real and therefore all there is is self, one without a second, non-dual. <coughs> so that view is called ajatavada. Ajatavada means that there is no birth or no creation at all. And in the fourth chapter, which is known as Alata Shandri Prakranam, Gaudabhadacharya takes up various schools of thoughts for discussion and shows their defects in thinking and establishes Advaita or the non-dual as the only valid principle. Therefore, it is considered to be an extremely important text as far as the uh, Vedanta Shastra is concerned. And Shankaracharya has written a commentary on the text. And so many people believe that the the uh, that Shankaracharya had taken many ideas from this text called Gaudapada Karigam. And from that chapter, uh, from that text, from the third chapter of Advaita Prakranam, this verse is taken here. And then another verse is taken from the Bhagavad Gita in the passage 215. It says here, Yaduktam laye sambodhaye chittam laye sambodhaye chittam vikshiptam samayet punah vikshiptam samayet punah sakashayam vijaniyat sakashayam vijaniyat samapraptam nacharayet samapraptam nacharayet Nāsvādhaedrasam tatra, nāsvādhaedrasam tatra, nissangaf prajñaya bhavet, nissangaf prajñaya bhavet, iti ca, yathādīpo nivātastha, yathādīpo nivātastha, nengate sopama smṛta, nengate sopama smṛta, iti ca, So this verse says that there are obstacles to meditation and also shows here the method of dealing with those obstacles. <coughs> says, laye sambodhe chittam. Laye, when the mind becomes, gains a state of laya or torpidity, sambodhe chittam. May you address their mind, rouse it. Laye jate sadi, tan nivrutyartam. Chittam Sambodhayet. Chitta Gata Jadhyagi Parityagena Chittam Udbodhayet. Says while doing your meditation or japa, you find that your mind on account of fatigue or on whatever reason the mind is sleepy, this, that is the tendency to doze off, then Sambodhayet Chittam, wake up the mind, Udbodhayet. So wake up the mind. Don't let the mind fall asleep because that's also what one likes, you know. So just as there is a rasaswada or there is a, you know, there is a liking for an experience of the tranquility of the mind, so also one seems to sometimes, he's com- one is comfortable with the experience of sleep also, torpidity. says, no, don't let the mind fall asleep, wake it up, wake up the mind. Sotsaham manah kuryad. May you enthuse the mind, may you enthuse the mind to perform this, this, fun- this, uh, this act of what we call meditation. Mind may be fatigued or it may be bored, it may be just not motivated when you are trying to concentrate it. says, may you wake it up and may you enthuse it, may you motivate the mind. <coughs> Show the mind the benefits of the meditation. Show the mind the need for it, the benefits of it and the, uh, and accordingly, uh, motivate or uh, enthuse mind. <coughs> so, laye jate sadi sambodhe chittam. When laya or torpidity or, or, or sleep comes, may you wake up the mind and may you enthuse the mind. Vikshiptam shamayet punaha. Then when the mind gets distracted, we say that the inability of the mind to focus its, focus itself upon the self, 
the mind did try to focus itself upon the self and was not able to do that. And therefore, like a bird, a mind runs away to the other sense objects, like a child or like a bird. Child tries to study, focus its mind to study, not able to do, it goes out to play or switches on TV, distraction. And similarly also our mind, when it is unable to concentrate, then it has a tendency to run out to the sense objects. This is called vikshepa. So when you find that the mind is distracted, running out, samayet punaha, then you bring it back to calmness. Don't let it run away, address it and bring the mind back to again its focus of attention. As Lord Krishna says, yato yato nischaradi manas chanchalam astiram tatasato niyamyaitada atmanyeva vasham naed. For whatever reason, this unsteady and restless mind runs away. For whatever reason, the mind that is unsteady as well as restless, when it goes away into the sense objects, may release that mind from that reason for which it has gone, it has been distracted. Is the mind distracted because some attachment is there? Then may you make the mind see the faults involved in, suppose the mind wants to enjoy some sense objects because of attachment, may you show the mind the dosha or the defects involved in those enjoyments. Or the mind is distracted because of some aversion, May you make the mind see the other side by pratipaksha bhavana. May you make them release the mind from that impulse or, or, or reaction of anger or whatever it is. So because of reaction the mind runs out by what we call pratipaksha bhavana or by taking the opposite stand, may you release the mind from that reaction. If the mind is running away because of some attachment or fascination for the sense object, may you make the mind see the, the problems involved in every form of enjoyment and release it from that fascination. The idea is that uh, Vedanta recommends that the mind should be brought back to the focus by analysis and not merely as a mechanical exercise. That there is a reason why the mind gets distracted. Mind has a reason for it, whether it's right reason or wrong reason. So may we understand the reason for the mind to get distracted. Is it because there is something not assimilated, some complaints are there, some hurt is there, whatever is there. And because of that the mind thinks of an object other than what you want to think of. Then we have to address that particular problem because of which the mind is distracted and resolve that problem so that the mind again becomes calm, mind becomes agitated. Because of that there may be some feeling of hurt maybe some feeling of guilt, then also mind becomes agitated when those thoughts come. Address them and release the mind from this sense of hurt or guilt which agitates the mind. So mind may be agitated or mind may be just attracted and release it from the fascination by showing the fantasy of that fascination. Thus, laye avikshiptam samayet punaha. When the mind gets distracted, samayet, then me again bring it back and quieten it, meaning you release the mind from that agitation or distraction. Tada vishaya vairagyadina chittam samayet bahir mukhatam parityadya antar mukham kuryad. Then uh, make the mind again introvert. Arjuna asks this question that my mind is restless and very obstinate, and I, I find that controlling my mind is as difficult as even controlling the wind. And Lord Krishna says, that is right. But then the method is shown there as to how to control the mind, meaning how to uh, work with the mind. Most important problem is vikshepa. Most important problem is vikshepa or distraction. This laya or the sleep you can deal with. You can take a shower or something like that before your session of meditation. Or maybe you can take a walk and thus get rid of that uh, the sleepiness that there may be or fatigue which may be there. So you can deal with or you can probably organize your rest properly, organize your diet properly 
so that the mind maintains a certain level of alertness. There are several problems as to why the mind gets tired. Either the, too much food is eaten, that also makes the mind tamas, or too little food, in which case the mind gets tired, or not enough rest, in which case also the mind is fatigued. So whatever be the reason as to why, the mind may be just bored, in which case it needs to be enthused. So understand the reason why the mind feels sleepy. Sometimes it happens. And some people have this problem, perennial problem of sleeping. As soon as they come to the class, they start, you know, that's the best place for them to sleep off, you know. And so that's what you observe sitting here, many people. And that one simple reason can be that they're not interested. This does not interest them, you know. That, that is understandable reason also. Other reason is that the mind is unable to focus. And so, uh, because... Maybe, as we say, then one has to analyze whether mind gets enough rest or not, or whether mind needs some nourishment in order to become alert. So, we should understand our own mind and maintain a certain level of alertness. That should be. And that's why food becomes very important. What kind of food you eat? So, sattvic food is very helpful. Sattvic and light food generally would be definitely helpful, helpful in maintaining an alertness of the mind and then taking showers and doing certain exercises, etc. <coughs> Vikshepa, this distraction is a big problem, because all kinds of problems are there inside, unassimilated. So many hurts, guilts, and so many things are there, and many attractions are there. And of course, the mind's inability just to concentrate. By habit, it has just become a, a wandering, like a monkey, keeps on jumping from one branch to the other, one tree to the other, and so also mind by habit, habitually the mind has become an entity which is unsteady. So unsteadiness has become the nature of mind. This cannot steadily apply itself to anything. Yeah, it can apply itself to something that you want to do, work. But it is difficult for the mind to apply steadily to a mental pursuit such as meditation. Where what we call the alambana, the support, is very little. You see, that is why to make the mind steady also, a whole procedure is recommended. As in, in Upadesha Saram it was discussed, Kāyavāṁ manah kāryamuttamam pūjanam japas chintanam kramad. The, the act of worship is performed at three levels, at the level of the body, the level of speech, and at the level of mind. And perhaps in a given seating, therefore, one may follow this procedure. That first the worship of the level of body involving your limbs, etc. And therefore mind has a lot of scope of activity and so mind is able to focus its attention on the worship which gives it a lot of activity. Then second is the worship at the level of speech. Reciting the name, reciting the hymns and that also gives the mind a fair amount of scope for movement or activity. And so, it is easier for the mind. It's, it's relatively easy. It's easiest for it to uh, focus attention on worship because a lot of activities are involved, ritual. Second, subtler activities, the worship at the level of speech, which has a narrow scope of activity. And finally, third is the mental worship or mental japa or repetition, which is extremely difficult because the mind has a very limited scope of activity, very limited scope of wandering, and therefore it is difficult to focus the mind. <coughs> so one may proceed step by step. In a typical session of meditation you might, or worship, you may proceed step by step of, even if you don't perform worship at the physical level, at least you can chant, and chanting also can be at three levels, loud chanting, and then murmuring, and then chanting mentally. So loud chanting is easier. It's easier to focus attention when you are chanting loudly. Because there is sound, you hear that, and it's easier to focus attention. Little more difficult is to focus attention when you are only murmuring. When you alone can hear, no one else can hear. And more difficult is to focus attention when you are chanting mentally. It is difficult. And so, mind, because it is unsteady, and it is restless, therefore, we have to employ these methods in order slowly and slowly 
calm down the mind and, and focus it. <clears throat> so do all these things when you find that the mind is distracted or because of unsteadiness and restlessness the mind doesn't remain focused upon your object of meditation. Okay, so now the mind is focused also. The third obstacle is kashaya. Sakashayam vijaniyat. Then if you do find, you may not find every obstacle every time, of course, but if you do find, the third potential obstacle is kashaya. As I said, the latent impressions arising from within and just becoming, I mean, you know, presenting themselves like a wall and then the mind is not able to proceed further and the mind gets stunned or blocked. Sakashayam vijaniyat. Then, when it becomes, there is a kashaya, be aware of it. Iyam ragadivasana bahyavishay prapika. So, may you make a note of this. This is kashaya. Or latent impressions, is in the form of raga or attachment. Then may you make your mind see that this attachment is something that is pertaining to the external object and is something that is harmful to you meaning something that is antagonistic to what you are trying to do. Nadu akhandavastu prabhika that this attachment or kashaya is it is for is pertaining to a sense object and not pertaining to the self. Ataha na yam samichinaya and therefore you do not want to entertain. Generally speaking it is said that when you find in your mind this kind of latent impressions arise then just be a witness. When you find that your mind gets blocked or is not able to proceed further because these impressions arise, then you just become a witness of those latent impressions because, as we say, sometimes the thoughts arise with which you are not familiar at all or something that you just didn't, are not even prepared for. And so when these kind of thoughts arise, understand that it is a process. The mind is trying to release itself from some latent things which are buried in perhaps subconscious or whatever it is. So let it release itself. Let the mind release whatever those impressions are without being identified with them. In short, when thoughts which we consider undesirable or unwanted, when these thoughts arise, we do not react to those thoughts and we simply watch those thoughts in the attitude of witness. Let the thoughts come and go away. Any thought becomes a big problem only when I identify with the thought. I call it my thought. Why should this thought arise in my mind? How can I think like this? Instead of that, if you realize that, it is the nature of mind to release itself. So, let those thoughts come and then pass away. Sakashayam vijaniyat. When kashaya, this kind of impressions arise, May you know that this is kashaya. And therefore, just observe them as a witness and let them release themselves. Sistachittam yavata kalena raga devasana kshaya sahidam bhavadi tavat kalam chittam swasthanat nachalai As long as you find that these impressions are arising in the mind, so long, don't do anything. Just observe it as a witness and let these impressions be released from the mind. Samapraptam <clears throat> nachalayad. As a result then, when the mind becomes tranquil or quiet, becomes equipoise, nachalayad, then don't disturb it. As Lord Krishna says, Atmasamsam manakritva nakinchinapichindayad. When you find that the mind has become abiding, mind has become steady, and it is focused upon the self, don't do anything with that mind. Let that mind remain abiding or steady. Samapraptam nachalet. Naswadayed rasam tatra. Then do not get stuck with enjoyment of rasa or that happiness. So final obstacle is rasaswada. Rasaswada is that experience of the happiness. Stuck with that experience of the joy. 
हाउ डू डू दैट निस्संग है प्रज्ञा भवे निस्संग है बी अनअटैच्ड प्रज्ञा प्रज्ञा मींस थ्रू प्रज्ञा और विजडम और डिस्क्रिमिनेशन थ्रू डिस्क्रिमिनेशन मे बिकम रिमेन अनअटैच्ड इवन टू दैट एक्सपीरियंस ऑफ हैप्पीनेस सेज हियर वैशेक सुख दुखादि संगरहित है अतः प्रज्ञा युक्तो भवेद यू रियलाइज दैट यू आर निस्संग है यू आर अनअटैच्ड द सेल्फ इज not connected to pleasure or pain happiness or unhappiness and ever this is also an experience of happiness but i am not an experiencer at the moment i find myself an experiencer of happiness i am not an experiencer i am the very happiness and ever i am not going to even make an attempt to experience this happiness which becomes an obstacle on the other hand may you make yourself see असंगोहम 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 पुनः पुनः आई एम असंग आई एम एन अटैच्ड आई एम एन अटैच्ड आई एम एन अटैच सच्चिदानंद रूपोहम सो आई एम सच्चिदानंद रूप सच्चिद आनंदोहम तदेवाहम अव्यय सच्चिदानंद रूपोहम अहमेवाह अहमेवाह अव्यय 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 मीन्स चेंजलेस the uh, free from modification changeless i am even experiencer i am not experience also is in my presence i am that very presence the awareful presence who illumines even this experience of happiness so experience of happiness i am not but that because of which this experience is that which illumines the experience of happiness also that i am and thus do not get attached to that experience of happiness nissangah prajnaya bhavet by discrimination may become nissangah may become unattached and that is how that dead mind totally abide in the self without even the distinctions of the experiencer and the experience this is idea na swaday drasam tatra nissangah prajnaya bhavet that's what lord krishna says प्रजहाति यदा कामान सर्वान पार्थ मनोगतान आत्मन्य वात्मना तुष्ट स्थित प्रज्ञस्तोच्यते सो डिस्क्राइबिंग द वाइज मैन इन भगवदगीता लॉर्ड कृष्ण सेज दैट वेन ऑल द डिजायर्स अराइजिंग इन द माइंड आर गिवन अप देन वन रिमेन्स सेटिस्फाइड विथ वन सेल्फ विद इन वन सेल्फ दैट इज कॉल दैट पर्सन इज कॉल स्थित प्रज्ञा स्थित प्रज्ञा मीन्स मैन ऑफ अबॉइडिंग विजडम this kama or the desire can create what we call rasaswada or there is a sense of enjoyment so even that enjoyment also one should become detached giving up means become detached then it will subside nissangah prajna bhavet this is how the method is given and lord krishna also says yathadipo nimatastah nengate sa upama smrata this upama or this similarly is given yogino yatachittasya yunjato yogamatmanah for the yogi who is who is focusing his mind upon the self for the mind of a yogi this similarly is given that just as the flame of a lamp is unflickering is steady when that lamp is placed in a place devoid of breeze and so so, so also unflickering and steady is the mind of a yogi as you said lamp is of the nature of light which dispels the darkness and so this is an enlightened mind which dispels the darkness of ignorance and remains steady unflickering this is how the mind of a yogi is compared to the unflickering flame of a lamp to <clears throat> said earlier that anena विघ्न चतुष्टयन विरहित चित्तम निर्वात दीपवत अचलम सत वेन दस द चित्तम ऑफ द माइंड बिकम्स फ्री फ्रॉम दिस फोर फोल्ड ऑप्टिकल्स द निर्वात दीपवत लाइक द लैम्प लाइक द फ्लेम ऑफ द लैम्प प्लेस्ड इन अ ब्रीजलेस स्पॉट अचलम सट बिकमिंग स्टेडी 
Akanda Chaitanya Matram Odishtade, the mind totally abides in the self which is non-dual. Tada Nirvikalpaka Samadhi Uchade, when even those distinctions are not there, that state is called Nirvikalpaka Samadhi. Samadhi, the absorption without the distinction. <coughs> so this is called Angi, that is the ultimate objective for which those eight steps were called Anga or the limbs. And thus, the author has con- completed here the discussion of what is called Nirvikalpaka Samadhi, which is the ultimate objective. For your information here, one commentator mentions some of this, how Yoga Shastra also talks about the same subject. In the Yoga, they identify the five states of mind. Kshiptam, Mudham, Vikshiptam, Ekagram, Niruddham. Chitta the mind is said to have these five states. Kshiptam, Mudham, Vikshiptam, Ekagram, and niruddham. What is kshiptam? Kshiptam is totally distracted, extrovert. On account of all kinds of reactions arising in the mind, or on account of the attachment towards the body, attachment towards sense object, attachment towards external things, the mind that is totally running away, mind that is totally preoccupied with external activities and external sense objects is called kshiptam. That's the first state of mind. Second is mudham. Mudham is when it is sleepy, when the torpidity of the mind. Second is that sleepiness. Nidra, nidra, tandra, adhigrastam, chittam, mudham iti uchchade. Sometimes the mind falls asleep or sometimes the mind go, goes in reverie or daydreaming. So that kind of mind which gets stuck someplace is called mudham. So first is kshiptam, second is mudham. Third is called vikshiptam. Vikshiptam means distracted. When the mind sometimes is focused upon the object of meditation and sometimes running away to the sense objects. So when the mind is always away into the sense objects, we call it kshiptam. But when the mind sometimes is focused on the object of meditation and sometimes running away, when this kind of a situation is there, that state is called vikshiptam, distracted. And when the mind becomes free from this vikshepa, meaning it becomes free from this distraction and no more runs away, then it is called ekagram. When the mind remains focused upon the same object, shanto ditau tulya pratyev chittasya ekagrata parinamaha. When the last, when the thoughts, subsequent thoughts arising are the same thoughts, so, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Same thought arises, then we say that the mind is ekagram, meaning it is, it is single-pointed. <coughs> and finally, even when the distinction, any effort also goes away, then it is called niruddham, meaning mind is absorbed. So these five states of mind are identified in Yoga Shastra. Shiptam, Moonam, Vikshiptam, Ekagram, and Niruddham. Okay. Now we proceed to the next section, which is known as the final section now in this text, known as the Jivan Mukta. The characteristics of the Jivan Mukta. Who is Jivan Mukta? The one who is liberated while living. That is called Jivan Mukta. And the characteristics are stated now in the last section. <coughs> so, in the passage 216. Atha Jeevan Mukta Lakshanam Uchyate Atha now Uchyate is being described Jivan Mukta Lakshanam, the characteristics of a man who is Jivan Eva Mukta, 
Mukta means liberated or free. Jeevan means one who is alive. So Jeevan Mukta one who is liberated while alive. And this is the goal of Vedanta. This is liberation is right here. Vedanta talks of the liberation while being alive. Because the human form is considered to be the only competent form, only competent embodiment where one can gain this knowledge because only human being has this ability of discrimination. And therefore this discriminative knowledge can be gained only when one is in human form. And therefore one has to seek liberation while alive, while in this life, while in this body. Not that the liberation will come after the drop of the body. Because if you are not liberated while you are alive, you cannot be liberated, you know, after the death because nothing would happen to liberate you. And therefore, liberation has to take place here itself. And therefore, you have an entity called Jeevamvaktaha, one who is liberated in this very life. Evam vidya samadhyanta sadhana anusthana paripage sadhi Urokta prakarena brahmatma ki sakshatkare dhudi bhute. So when, as a result of this practice of samadhi as stated in the previous section, and when the samskara, this knowledge of brahmatma ikyam, the identity of brahma, the self with brahma, meaning this knowledge of self being brahma, when that knowledge becomes firm, when it becomes abiding, by the removal of whatever obstacles that were there, and we say that was all discussed earlier. The obstacle to the knowledge are are threefold: the yajna avaranam, the ignorance; the second is the doubt; and third is what we call the dehata buddhi or the identification of the body. And the means of removing these obstacles are shravanam, mananam, and this dhyasanam. And as a result of that, ultimately one gains what we call nirvikalpaka samadhi or the abiding knowledge. Avidya tatkaryatmaka sam sarva samsara nivrtav jayamananam. And therefore, the whole samsara, which is a product of ignorance, when that samsara is completely eliminated for this person, understand that samsara is merely a product of ignorance. If samsara had any reality at all, then no amount of knowledge can eliminate that. What we call samsara, I mean, this sadness or suffering is purely our sense of bondage purely a product of ignorance or notion. Therefore, it can be completely eliminated by knowledge. Otherwise, nothing can be destroyed in this world. The only thing that can be destroyed is that which is unreal. Like the snake projected upon the rope can be destroyed because the snake is totally unreal. And therefore, in the wake of the knowledge of the rope, there is not even a trace of the snake. And similarly also what we call samsara, the bondage or sense of limitation being totally a product of ignorance it can be totally removed. And those obstacles were described, avarana, vikshepa, and viparita buddhi. <coughs> so the whole samsara goes away. Samsara doesn't mean the body goes away, the world goes away, or anything goes away. Samsara means that just inner bondage or inner sense of individuality, inner isolation, inner... Uh, suffering or sadness, when that goes away completely, then one is free. When one finds oneself totally satisfied with oneself by oneself, that's a positive thing. Dukkha nivritti and ananda avapti. Moksha is said as consisting of these two aspects, atyantika dukkha nivritti, a release or cessation of all kinds of suffering once and for all, and Niratishaya ananda avaptihi, attainment of unsurpassable happiness. A total cessation of all unhappiness and attainment of the total happiness, this is called moksha. And what is that unhappiness? We must know what is meant by dukkha. <coughs> As we were seeing last night, the physical experiences are there at the level of the body. At the level of body, there can be an experience of heat and cold or comfort and discomfort. It will be there. At the level of mind, there can be an experience of what we call the, the agreeable and the disagreeable. 
at the level of the intellect there can be experience of honor and dishonor these things can be there and these experiences keep on coming but what ha- what happens to an, an an ignorant person is that these experiences create reaction reaction of either wanting or getting rid of something when i find something agreeable or conducive then i want it and i want to hold on to it and when i when i come across something or when i am confronted with something that is unpleasant i want to get rid of it and these are the reactions that is because one is not at home with one's own self i find myself acceptable to myself only in a given situation so when that situation is created i find myself an acceptable self therefore i am happy and therefore i want that situation to remain so that i can see myself as an acceptable self so therefore when there is a possibility of that situation going away then i feel threatened and therefore i want to hold on to that that's what brings about attachment and any other situation makes me unacceptable to my own self and therefore i don't want those situations so when there is a possibility of arising of what we call a disagreeable situation i feel threatened and therefore i want to keep it away i want to avoid it or if it has created i want to get away from it so this is how constantly there is a reaction of either wanting to hold on to something which i want or trying to get rid of something which i do not want or which i consider undesirable so that which i consider desirable a need to hang on to it or hold on to it and that which i consider undesirable a need to get away from it or avoid it and never the mind is constantly reacting so both raga and dvesha constantly expressed in one form or the other this is what we call samsara because it is a struggle person is never at ease and never person is never relaxed or at poise always even in happy situation also there is a reaction because there is an apprehension that this happiness may go away and therefore you want to hold on to it because when unhappiness comes one wants to reject it constantly struggle is going on very rarely mind really abides it is at home that there is no need to change anything no need to change any external thing nor any need to change myself when the mind has become free from need to change then alone there is what we call the poise as long as there is a need to change as long as there is a need to do something so long the mind cannot be at poise therefore the vedantic teachers talk about sarva karma sanyasa renunciation of all action action expresses a need action expresses a need to change a need to become a wise man is the one who has become free from this need prajahati yada kaman sarvan parsamanogatan kama means a need so these needs are there when one has become free from all these needs how has he become free from the needs atmani eva atmanatushtah because he is discovered a total satisfaction within oneself by oneself meaning now he has discovered a self which is totally acceptable and discovered a totally acceptable self why was it not acceptable so far because he was projecting unacceptability upon himself and that projection because of ignorance is no more there because of the vichara and realizing that the unacceptability is only due to projection and i never looked at myself as i am and when he sees that the self is what i am seeking then the self find is found to be acceptable no need to become or no need to change then the mind is totally at poise atmani eva atmanatushtah he is happy with himself by himself free from all needs they were free from all demands that is why he is free who is a free person the person is free who has no needs and nobody can bind if there is no need at all then there can be no bondage at all that nobody can ever disturb you or upset you because you don't need anything we can be upset we can be disturbed because we have needs and wise man is the one who is free from meaning one who has this abiding wisdom is the one who is totally free from all the needs <clears throat> that's the reason why vedanta always wants us to focus our attention on needs that analyze whether the needs are genuine or not or needs are legitimate or not 
there can be certain legitimate needs based on what we call the non-self in terms of the needs of the body and whatever those are can be accepted as legitimate needs but other than that the needs to become bigger the needs to become better and needs to become this needs to become something all of those needs are only out of ignorance projection so keep focusing your attention on the needs so prajahadi yada kaman there when lord krishna says that wise man is the one who is free from all desires meaning all needs there can be a desire which may spontaneously arise in response to somebody's need somebody else's need which also will be discussed here that a wise man can respond to somebody else's need which is okay that is not opposed to the wisdom what is opposed to wisdom is one's own need and uh, so he is free from that that's why he is called a free person this is the greatest siddhi or the greatest accomplishment that's the accomplishment as you said is what we are seeking in vedanta <coughs> vedantin is not seeking any other accomplishment or any power or any ability he is only seeking freedom and which comes as a result of purity and comes as a result of the discrimination so this is jeevan mukta and this section describes now the characteristics of this jeevan mukta so the said here avidya tatkaryatmaka sarva samsara nivrutto jayamanayam when thus there is a nivrutti or a cessation of what we call samsara as a result of this enlightenment ಕಾಗತಾಲೀಯನ್ಯಾಯನಿಪ್ರಾರಬ್ಧಕರ್ಮಕ್ಷಾಯಾತ್ಕಾಲೇಯಿಷಾಯಾಶರೀರಪಾ
तदज्ञान बाधन द्वारा स्वस्वरूप अखंड ब्रह्मणी साक्षात्कृते अज्ञान तत्कार्य संचित कर्म संशय विपर्यादीनामपि बाधितखिलबंधरहित ब्रह्मनिष्ठ अखिल बंधरहित ब्रह्मनिष्ठ ब्रह्मनिष्ठ ब्रह्मणी निष्ठ निष्ठा इज नितराम स्थिति अ टोटल अबाइडेंस इज कॉल निष्ठा नी प्लस था बिकम्स निष्ठा स्था मीन्स टू रिमेन एंड नी नितराम टू वेरी वेल रिमेन निष्ठा मीन्स रिमेनिंग वेरी वेल सो निष्ठा टोटल अबाइडेंस ब्रह्मनिष्ठ ब्रह्मणी निष्ठ हु वेरी वेल अबाइड्स इन ब्रह्म इज कॉल ब्रह्मनिष्ठ है अबाइडेंस इज अ स्टेट विच इज एफर्टलेस वेन समथिंग इज रन एफर्टलेसली देन वी कॉल इट अबाइडेंस एंड देर वन हु एफर्टलेसली अबाइड इन दिस नॉलेज आई एम ब्रह्म ही इज कॉल ब्रह्मनिष्ठ है हु इज ही अखिल बंध रहित है फ्री फ्रॉम ऑल द बंध free from all the bondage as i said he himself describes what is all this bondage but basically we said that bondage is the sense of limitation the desires the needs and so on and so forth so that is all called bondage akhila band rahita hai one is totally free from all the bondage a free person at home free from all complexes that's another way of looking at it अखिल बंद रहित है वन इज फ्री फ्रॉम एनी कॉम्प्लेक्स सो द अदर डे पर्सन टेल्स मी स्वामी वेर एवर आई गो टू दिस पर्सन आई फील इंटीमेटेड और आई फील इंफीरियर आई फील स्मॉल यू नो सो वी फील इंटीमेटेड वी फील स्मॉल वी फील इंफीरियर वी फील इनएडिकुएट इन फेसिंग सिचुएशन इन फेसिंग पीपल ऑल दैट इज कॉम्प्लेक्स दैट इनएडिकुएसी इंफीरियरिटी ऑल ऑफ दैट आर नथिंग बट कॉम्प्लेक्स and those complexes arise primarily because inadequacy of the mind is taken to my inadequacy and therefore these complexes one is suffering from the next verse will say vidyate hrudaya granthi one who has become free from all these complexes so akhila this was bondage can be understood in different ways these complexes are bondage self judgment is bondage the various notions about the self is bondage various reactions arising from oneself with the bondage even the various needs and demands one have also are an expression of bondage so so called bondage manifests itself in these various forms manifests primarily various complexes and these complexes create needs when there is a complex that i am inadequate there is a need to become adequate when there is a complex that i am great and there is a need to remain great and every complex about the self brings about a need because every complex brings about a sense of limitation every complex brings about a desire and therefore desire or the need is a product of this complex and so then these needs can be successful not successful therefore the reactions and so these reactions of likes and dislikes other expression of bondage the complex about myself makes me feel a sense of ego or individuality and therefore there is hurt and guilt so hurt and guilt are other expressions of bondage so hurt guilt need reactions and there were anger greed passion sadness all of these are expressions of bondage and all of that stifles my natural spontaneous expression of myself rarely i am ever spontaneous i am always stifled always tied up with various complexes of my own that is what is called bondage that i am never free in every situation i always impose something upon myself and therefore that freedom is not felt by an ordinary person so akhila bandh rahit hai one 
who is totally free in this manner, who has no shame inside, no guilt, no hurt, and no demands, and that is how totally free he is called Jivan Muktaha. So, this passage describes the characteristic of Jivan Mukta, how he happened to become Jivan Mukta, and what problems were there, which problems are removed, all of these are said in this passage. We will continue it tomorrow. <clears throat> Om Puranamadaf Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyate Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Guru Namaha Harihi Om